Okay, so in the previous classes, we were learning about the unique nature of the Jewish soul. The Jewish people are called, in the language of the Kuzari, a fifth category in the world. There are four categories in creation. There's the inanimate, vegetation, animal, human. And the Jewish people are considered a different category. Why are we a different category? Because the Jewish people are a... Jewish people are godly. The neshama is a part of Hashem. And I'll see today also, even the Jewish body um, is also connected to, to Hashem in a unique way. So all their um, categories in creation, they're create creatures. The Jewish people have a connection to, to Hashem himself. What, is, what this means, God willing, we'll get to um, uh, soon, but before we get to what, what that means... Um, and how that this uniquely was uh, enhanced through the giving of the Torah. Let's first do a little overview of the um, first stage, the first um, layer of our connection to Hashem before Hashem gave us the Torah, and how that um, was developed through Abram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then we'll uh, go back to see what the new stage, the new uh, layer in our relationship that was achieved through the giving of the Torah, and how, to, how that connects specifically with, with the Jewish body. So, last time we were learning about how the, the, three, um, the three temples correspond to our three patriarchs respectively. And because they correspond to them, uh, they... By learning about what the temples are, we can learn about who our patriarchs are, and vice versa. So, one of the unique things about the, um, about the first temple is the godly revelation that um, came to the world through that temple was unprecedented. What's wrong, Dr. Breslin? Uh, that's the, my, okay, go ahead. Let's go. All right. So we're just communicating soul to soul here with no 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 uh, no tools. I was gonna call my wife, but <laughs> because I need to go back for it to put the break. Go just do the class. All right, she comes, she comes. So um, the second temple, um, it says in the Talmud, it was greater in glory than the first temple, even though the first temple had the uh, ark and it had the, there's the divine inspiration and there was a fire that came from heaven. And yet, it says the first temple was not as great as the second temple. So there's a virtue in each. What was the virtue in the first? What was the virtue in the second? So the analogy we learned last time was of a teacher and a student. It's possible for a teacher to give information to a student and to tell the student amazing things, amazing insights in the Torah, and the student records them and remembers them. Now the student knows amazing ideas in the Torah. That's one kind of student, one kind of relationship between a teacher and student. A second model, relationship between teacher and student, is not just the teacher is transmitting to the student information, giving him ideas in Torah, but the teacher teaches the student how to learn. So in the first model, the student is getting higher and deeper ideas than he possibly could get on his own. And after the teacher is done, there's not much that the student has other than what the teacher told him. He's, he knows amazing things about the Torah. His teacher may be the Ragat Shavar the most amazing Torah teacher in the last millennia, the Rebbe said. And yet, um, 
he doesn't know how to learn like the Raghachar. He just knows the teachings of the Raghachar. That's one kind of teacher. It tells you amazing, amazing things. And so to the first temple, there was a major revelation of godliness. But it didn't elevate the world as much as the second temple. The second temple was after an exile of 70 years. And there was the Jewish people did Teshuvah. And they returned to Hashem. And so they were able to create holiness. But the holiness they created was like in the model of the second kind of teacher, where the teacher teaches a student how to learn. Now, even to teach someone how to learn, they have to have something before to be able to... They have to possess something that, that can be developed. There's an um, expression in Hasidus, you can't give someone a head. You can only develop what they have already. So in the second temple, or in the second model of learning, it's about the... It's about revealing the innate godly character of the world and in yourself. So, the, uh, just, like, just like the second kind of teacher tries to teach a student how to learn, the second temple was about revelation of godliness from within the world, revealing the godly nature in the world. So these two temples correspond to Avram and Yitzchak. What did Avram do? Avram spoke to everyone. And he shared with them about the way Avram was gifted with the unique ability of explaining things. He explained to everyone about Hashem and how Hashem loves everyone and Hashem's providence and trusting in Hashem. And, and he really inspired many, many people. The Talmud calls Avram, Avram Ivri. Avram on one side. The whole world's on one side. He's on the other side. Avram manages to impact the entire world. And yet, all that's happening is that Avram is sharing. It's not that the world itself is being changed. It's that Avram is revealing to them something that they didn't have. Avram is channeling to them something higher that they didn't have before. Avraham gives the Jewish people to do something similar. Torah and mitzvahs, we learn Torah, we do mitzvahs, we draw to the world a godly light. It's not our own godly light. We're drawing to the world a godly light that wasn't here before. I mean, you have to, just like you can't plant a seed unless it's planted in the place that's where it can grow, like in the ground, so too the mitzvahs and the Torah were given to the Jewish people. And we uniquely are able to do mitzvahs, we're able to learn Torah, but the godly light that comes to the world through Torah mitzvahs is Hashem's light, it's Hashem's desire and it's Hashem's mitzvah. So that ability to draw godliness into the world from on high, we receive from Avraham. Like, like the first temple is parallel to Avraham, where there's divine revelation and there's a fire coming from heaven and there's the ark. The unique service of Hashem of Yitzchak was digging wells, moving the stones and the earth and the dirt and digging and digging and revealing the water that's within the world itself. And so too, on a personal level, the idea of Yitzchak is teshuva. Teshuva means that not that you're bringing Galilee set from somewhere else, but you're revealing the godly nature in your own soul. You're revealing who you are. And the, uh, the impact of revealing who you are also causes in the world to reveal what the world is. So the second temple which came through Tshuva was about revealing the godly energy within creation. So there's an advantage in the first temple, greater revelation. There's an advantage in the second temple that it's coming from within and it's something that we own, not just something we're given. The fact is that after Avram passed away, many people left the uh, faith in Hashem that Avram gave them. So Avram is a revelation from on high, but it's not about the world changing. Yitzchak is about digging wells, revealing what's in the world itself. 
On a personal level, Yitzhak gives us the ability to do teshuva. What's teshuva mean? Teshuva means that you have severed your, your relationship with Hashem, you're not interested in what He has to say, and all of a sudden you're returning. Why are you returning? What, what about you wants, you to, wants to return? Because Hashem said so. So He's the guy you left, you aren't interested in Him. Why do you suddenly want to return? It's because in you, there's a part of Hashem that wants to be close to Hashem. So when you do teshuva, you're revealing the godliness within you. And so too, in the second temple, through their teshuva, they reveal the godliness within creation, which is lower than the godly light that was in the first temple, but yet it's, it's part and parcel of the world. It's something which is, which is more um, real to, to the world. That's why it lasted longer, and it was physically bigger. It was bigger in time, bigger in space. It, it, it lasted years and years longer than the first temple, and it was physically bigger than the first temple. It's not just the properties of it are different, it's that it's about impact in the physical world because it comes from the physical world. It comes from the Jewish people returning to Hashem. What allowed them to build a building bigger than the original design? Uh, you know, you're reminding me of another point that I forgot to mention. The one who allowed them to build the temple, who was the building? The building was the building of Koresh. Right. Koresh was a non-Jew. And that's exactly the point, that it was built by someone who wasn't of our faith, and he commanded us this to happen, but that emphasizes it, it's coming from the world itself. It's not something which is being superimposed, given from on high. Why exactly was it bigger? There's, there are different opinions about what exactly they added. Was it, it was because they didn't know about something in the first temple. They didn't know exactly if there was a curtain partition between the holy holies and the other section, or if there was a wall partition. And There are different opinions about what exactly was bigger and why it was bigger. But the point is that whatever the physical causes are, the spiritual reason is because the physical, the physical properties are just represent and emblematic and, and um, express the different nature in the Second Temple, which was about expressing godliness from within the world. One other question. I'm not, my history may be wildly off. It wasn't Koresh the son of Esther? There was more than one Koresh. And um, I don't know if that's the same Koresh. Do you know, Rabbi Reber, that was a Koresh that built the temple? The son of Esther? Well, it's an argument. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's, always a, it's always a very uh, scholarly way of answering the question. You're usually right in Judaism. When you, say, when you say it's an argument. Two <laughs> Koresh. Okay. So that's Avram, that's Yitzchak. Avram gives us ability to reveal Galilee from on high to Torah mitzvahs. Yitzchak gives us ability to do shuva, to dig wells, to reveal who we are. Avram gave us. The first temple, Yitzhak gives us the second. And Yaakov, Torah says, is the attribute of truth. Yaakov says about himself that he had the attribute of Abraham and the attribute of Yitzhak. He has both. That's unique quality of, of, of Yaakov, which represents the third temple. When Mashiach comes, we're going to have the rugged, shavrier uh, kind of revelation. A revelation of, the, of the, the first model, the higher kind of information given by the first teacher. And yet it's going to be something that is coming from within creation itself. The world itself will be a vessel for it. It's not that the world will just reveal the godly nature, that's, the godly energy that, that's innate within it. Rather, in the world itself, there will be a revelation of the infinite light of Hashem that was in the first temple. So that's why the third temple is actually called the triple temple. It's called the triple temple because it has both from the first and the second temple. as has the godly higher kind of revelation that the first temple had. And also has... It, the, another virtue of the, second time, the third temple is that it's not going to be something that's superimposed in the world, but something that the world itself is a vessel for. It's going to be revealed in the parameters of the world so the world is able to, 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 to um, have a, a, a um, to own it. it it's, that the world is a, is a place of the third temple. Okay, so that's what we learned in the previous class about the, the unique contribution of Avram Mitzchanyakev to the Jewish soul. 
And now we're going to learn about the giving of the Torah, what, what, what that accomplished. It says in the Siddur, on Yantif, we say, you've chosen us from all nations. We don't mention that on Shabbos. We don't say you've chosen us from all nations on Shabbos. We only say it on Yantif. Why do we only say it on Yantif? Because we had Shabbos before the Torah was given. When did God choose us at Mount Sinai? So Shabbos doesn't express as much how Hashem chose us as much as Yantiv, the Yantiv of Shua specifically does. There is another place in Davin we speak about God's choice in us. That's in, before the paragraph before Shema. We say the words, You have chosen us from all nations. So that also, as in Tanya, is referring to, well, actually, not in Tanya, it's in Shochamarach. When you say the words, You have chosen us from all nations, you're supposed to remember how how we were standing at Mount Sinai and uh, God chose us. So the, Hashem chose us at Mount Sinai, but we have a relationship to Hashem before Mount Sinai through Avim Yitzchak and Yaakov. At, before Mount Sinai, we are called children of Hashem. As Moshe Rabbeinu told Parai, that God told Moshe to tell Parai, I want Parai to, to free the Jewish people. Why? Because B'ni B'cher Yisrael. Because the Jewish people are called my firstborn. They're called my children. So being Hashem's children is something that we had before the Torah was given. And the Torah accomplishes something new that we are, uh, we are chosen by Hashem. What exactly is the difference between being chosen by Hashem versus being Hashem's child? What is that? What's the difference? L'chaim, L'chaim, Baruch. The true meaning of, of a choice could only be when uh, two things are equal. If one thing is obviously better than the other, then you're, you're, you're forced to choose one over the other. Imagine someone you know, comes and forces you. You'll do this or I'm, I'm going to beat you up. So you choose A over B because you're forced. By a human being, by an intellectual person, if A is better than B because A has virtues that B doesn't have, you are forced to choose A more than you are that by someone threatening to beat you up. You are choosing A because, because A makes sense. So it, it, it's an inner, you're forced internally. I have to choose A. I cannot choose B because A, a is just a just not worth it. So what, when you're choosing A, it's not really called a choice because A is better than B. In order for there to be a choice, there has to be some kind of a virtue in either or that there is no value in either over the other. And that's why it's called, you're, you're choosing them. So regarding the neshama of a, of a Jew, the neshama of a Jew is from a part of Hashem, mamish, literally a part of Hashem, the word choice doesn't really apply, because the neshama is a part of Hashem. The neshama is called Hashem's child. And, and the neshama of Gentiles, as in Tanya, how their souls are rooted in, in, in a whole different realm. So the, the, it wouldn't make sense to say that Hashem chooses the Jewish soul. What then does Hashem choose? So it says in Tanya, chapter 49, the altar says, What did Hashem choose? At Mount Sinai, He chose the body. The body of a Jew is what was chosen. The body of a Jew externally is identical to the body of a Gentile. And the, the choice of Hashem at Mount Sinai, what did He choose? He chose the, um, the, um, the Jewish body. So, a choice is something that comes from within your deepest self. You are choosing. 
relationship between a father and a child is very deep also, but it's, there's a natural bond between a father and a child. Can the, I go back for a second? Go back. All right. Shalom Bob is a Gentile and Jews are equal. There's no question about that. But maybe what he chose was the mazel from the Jewish body. Did he choose our mazel compared to their mazel? Jews have nine lives? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I don't think we have nine lives. But I'm saying we have a different mazel. We have a different... Are you saying we shouldn't check our numbers every morning when we wake up because we're risking okay? Just, you know. <laughs> that's just a guide. <laughs> you know, it's like opening the window. Is it raining outside? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. No, but I mean, what I'm saying is that, you know... What is it that is different? It's the spirit inside the Jew, right? Oh, what's different? What's yeah. different? So, what, what, so, so Hashem chose the Jewish body, and what did he do with the Jewish body? What does he mean he chose it? So in Hasidus, there's a famous uh, thing that people call the Hasidic flip. And that is, whatever descends lower must have a higher source. In order to go, because in order to reach a lower place, like, like the Bittal Rebbe gives ten examples to explain his ten parables. One of them is, for a light to reach a, a farther place, it has to be a stronger light. Right. Only when the barrel is full to the top does it, does it spill over. It and, and so, so in a similar way, if Hashem's choice extends low... Huh? Esav. has a higher source to, of soul than Yaakov. Yeah. But precisely to create an Esav, in order to... In order to Chassidus gives the, the example of... It has in the verse, He could find cobwebs and spiders in a palace, because the palace is so vast, so big, you could find cobwebs there. What that means spiritually is, because Hashem is infinite, that's why he could stand the existence of evil. And precisely because he is so infinite, they could, he could stand things which are, the more infinite he is, the more he could stand the existence of evil. But here there's another point, it's not just Hashem could stand the existence of evil, you were talking about our, our bond with Hashem. We're talking about how the holiness of Hashem is channeled to the Jewish body. At Mount Sinai, the Torah says, the first words of God at Mount Sinai are, I am Hashem your God. The word Elokecha is a name of Hashem that we learned a few times, which means how Hashem's light is contracted into nature. Elokim is numerical equivalent to the word nature. So Elokim is about Hashem contracting His light. There's a way Hashem is Himself, so to speak, and the way Hashem contracts His light. So Elokecha, that's the way Hashem's light is contracted. Yudke Vavke is a, a name which shows in Hashem's essence. However, it's still a name of Hashem. The fact that you're using a name to describe Hashem means it's not really Hashem himself. It's just the way Hashem is, Hashem is described. It's a name that describes him. However, the first word at Mount Sinai, Anoichi I, that means I myself. It's not a name of Hashem. It's Hashem himself. So, there, so, so Hashem is communicating to us from his very essence. And because the bond is coming from his very core, without any limit, not just the relationship of father and child, which has some kind of, of some kind of limitation, as maybe we'll get to in later classes, but there's not, because at Mount Sinai, Hashem made a choice to, for the Jewish people, which comes from his very essence, therefore this choice extends to the Jewish body as well. What happens to the Jewish body? The Jewish body, Hashem says about the Jewish body, as the Psikta says, Hashem said to us in the singular, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. In the singular. Every person standing on Mount Sinai said, God's talking to me. So what that means is not just everyone felt that way, it's also that God was bringing his very core to be etched into every single Jewish person. So while Yudke Vavke is called the name of Hashem's essence, 
the fact that we're using the name itself indicates that some kind of limitation. It's not him. Anoichi is him himself. And what does Hashem say about him himself? I am your God. I am part of you. I am part of, I am part of your life. I am part of your physical body. So the physical body of the Jew is chosen by Hashem, is godly, is holy. So it's, a, it's more of a vessel, more of a kali than a Gentile body. Is that what you're intimating? I, I, I would say that once Hashem chose it, it became, it became different. Uh, okay. But not that it, it intrinsically has anything, different properties in it. It's right. just that Hashem chose it. And, and you see people convert to Judaism and then they are the same bodies that they had before, it seems. What's, what changes is that Hashem chose the Jewish body. So that the, the holiness in the Jewish body is coming from Hashem's very essence. I am your God. So the body and soul of the Jew are chosen by Hashem equally. However, you see more choice of Hashem in the body than you do in the soul because the soul has a natural virtue over, over other souls. You don't see so much the, the uh, choice. What do you see Hashem choosing something? You see that more in the body because the body is similar. This is the meaning of the Pasuk. It says in the Pasuk, You are a holy nation to Hashem. And God chose you. Says the uh, Rashi, You are holy from your forefathers. And now Hashem has chosen you. We have received holiness from Abraham and Yaakov. Their holiness, as we went before, through the circumcision, also brings their holiness to their body as well. At Mount Sinai, however, there's something unique. That Hashem chooses a Jewish body. That there's something that connects the essence of Hashem to the to to the to a Jew as he is in the physical world. This explains something unique about the holiday of Shavuot, the holiday when God gave us the Torah. It says in the, the Torah, uh, Chag You should make the holiday of Shavuot for Hashem your God. What's the meaning of of, of making on Shavuot? What are you making for Shavuot? On Sukkot, you got to make a Sukkah. You got to do the mitzvah of an Esrik. On Pesach, you got to eat the matzah. Every holiday has its mitzvah. The only holiday that doesn't have a mitzvah is the holiday of Shavuos. What are you making on Shavuos? What does it mean? The answer is, is that since the holiday of Shavuos is about Hashem choosing the Jewish people, which is about the, phys- about the physical body, there has to be some kind of expression, a physical expression in this holiday. What is it? Talmud says, is an argument about every holiday, if, um, if you need to eat on the holiday. There's an opinion which says that you don't have to eat on the holiday, just learn and dive, and you could fast if you want. It's not about eating. Another opinion is you have to eat. And uh, halacha uh, follows the opinion that says you have to eat, that the holiday is about celebrating with the, with, with, with the body as well. However, this, the argument exists by all holidays. There's only one holiday that everyone agrees that you have to, uh, you have to eat. And that holiday is the holiday of Shavuos. Everyone agrees you have, to, you have to eat. Why does everyone agree, agree you have to eat? It's because the holiday of Shavuos is about the revelation of Hashem in the physical world, becoming part and etched and engraved in the Jewish body as well. That Hashem's essence is engraved in the Jewish body. And therefore, it has to have some kind of expression in our celebration of the holiday, so that we eat and we enjoy the holiday in a physical way, in a down-to-earth way. And this is also related to um, the um, coming of Mashiach. The, uh, I think the words "ba'in and lachem," everyone agrees, you need to have to eat on Shuas is numerically equivalent to the word to the word "kates," which is the time the Mashiach will arrive. The coming of Mashiach is about is about the revelation of Hashem, not just like on Sinai where the revelation stops, but the world itself becomes a vessel for this 
revelation and that it's seen physically in the physical world as uh, and the world owns it the world owns it, it becomes part of the world so in a similar way on the holiday of Shua it's not just we're celebrating that God shows us but it becomes part of us, it becomes part of our lives and we eat and we drink in a very down to earth way um, and that's also the reason why the Rambam says Moran Chulun says that we don't keep our mitzvahs nowadays because of Avram. Avram was commanded that he and his children should circumcise themselves. We don't circumcise ourselves because of Avram. We circumcise ourselves because Moshe Rabbeinu Mount Sinai got this mitzvah. What's unique about Moshe's commandment over Avram's commandment? They both got commanded. What's the difference? The difference is that Mount Sinai Hashem gave us his mitzvahs from his essence. And the truth is, this is a Gemara. The Gemara says that the first word that Hashem used when he gave us the Torah, Anochi, it stands for I gave you my soul. I gave you my very essence. So in the mitzvah that a Jew does, I, I, I can think of it as patty cakes. <clears throat> although it may be a very simple thing she was asking you to do, and the father plays with the child patty cakes, he is not using all of his intellect in the game, yet he's more present in his patty cakes with his child than he is when he's teaching um, a, a, a class on, on uh, rocket science. Because he's putting his very core. This is his child. Same way Hashem gives us in his mitzvahs. He gives us, these are my kids. I want to connect with them. That's what gives us the mitzvahs. Therefore, we don't do the mitzvahs because of what was, what was done before, before Mount Sinai, but rather because Hashem gave his essence and chose us. He wants to be connected to us. And he loves us. And therefore, he gave us his mitzvahs. That's why we keep the mitzvahs of, uh, of Hashem. And uh, that's what it's about. Any questions or comments or criticism? Tomatoes? <laughs> All right. Great to have a great day. Thank you.